Guess what? It's 2022! (laughs) You're listening to Women Who Rebrand. Honest and humorous conversations all about the natural and individual transitional phases people experience to grow, start over or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. How are you? I'm Mm. so glad we made it, basically. I know, right? I know. It's a bit touch and go for a while with COVID and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what, I didn't have COVID. I managed to swerve it, I think, according to lateral flows. Mm-hmm. However, I was sick as a dog. <laughs> sick as oh, a dog. With what? Like anything else that exists exactly. anymore? Yeah, yeah. Well, what was it? I don't know. I, the, the, the people will tell me it's COVID, but mm. I don't know. It was all like, you know, normal, what you would have, what I would have normally over Christmas, which is some type of fluey symptoms, mm. um, sore throat, a little bit of a cough. Just general like winter illness, which is now okay. being rebranded as COVID. But I, yeah, so I was sick. Okay, on Christmas Day. Oh no! Wait, but but um, silver lining. Does that mean you got out of a lot of things that you had to do? Usually, it maybe it does indeed. It oh. does indeed. I was just laid out on the sofa doing <sighs> jack ish all day long while this actually um, sounds good family ran around and catered to my every need so, so yeah we'll try it again next year i think yeah i think you should time it like just well i actually got covid for the second time over christmas and i did say it was my fault because everyone's like you know beware of london it's just going around this omicron that we were talking about i was like yeah man but i haven't been out for ages and I've had COVID and I've had my jabs and (laughs) I got COVID obviously so um our Christmas plans were kind of cancelled um because I had family coming over Mm. but they had COVID too oh so it wasn't just me yeah so you were just a COVID household yeah basically Mm. um obviously stayed in because we were staying in anyway um Mm. and then the eldest got it and then just went around the house then Danny got it so the three of us had it, but at different stages. It's like when one came to an end, the next one got it. It's just um, Michael of COVID. Just over it, man. Yeah. But today, yeah, aren't all restrictions like lifted as well, of today? Not all, but majority. No? Majority. Like you don't need to wear a face mask anymore in England at least in public spaces mm. but i was listening to the news um yesterday and they were saying that even though the government have told us that we don't need to adhere to those restrictions anymore yeah independent like retailers might mm. decide that they want you to wear a mask so, yeah yeah and it's kind of their own terms and conditions really because it's their property their shop yeah. um so they can literally, I say what I said, you're wearing a mask or don't come in, <laughs> go shop online then if you want to. Exactly. <laughs> Which exactly. is kind of understandable because like there's so many, oh God, going to restaurants and stuff. There was like no staff because everyone had COVID. So then mm-hmm. how are you supposed to run a business really if everyone is sick? But on the other side, mm. we've been told not to test as much as we were testing. 
So only test if you've got symptoms, even if you've been around someone who has COVID. Well, hopefully, it will just, we're, this is us learning to live with it. <laughs> yeah, us fortunate ones that can. Well, yeah. <sighs> yeah. And to be fair, it's like, oh, yeah, it's really mild. It's mild. This Omicron or whatever, this other strain that I possibly got. Yeah, it's mild. I said it was mild, but milder <laughs> than the first time I got it. I was still ill for a week and just like, obviously we, we filmed our, um, we recorded our other podcast when I had COVID and I was yeah. just a complete mess. Didn't know what day it was or anything. <laughs> I was just a tiny bit confused with this one. So okay. like the flu, but yeah. feeling worse than yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, mild is probably the wrong word to use because when you think of mild, yeah. well, I think of like a cup of chamomile tea or something like that. That's my mild. Like I wouldn't describe, I wouldn't, I, yeah. you mild and a horrible virus. Yeah. In, in it's like mild is like calm, still water yeah, that you like, would find on a pond or something. Thank you. Whereas this was like waves and that's not. Yeah, a rough storm. Not, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's change it to a rough storm and not and not a tsunami. That's yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. it. Okay, we got yeah. it. We got it. Okay. So today, um, changing the subject, because we, we can't do another episode about COVID. <laughs> Everyone's so over it. I'm over it. You're over it. Yep. The whole audience is over it. Yep. Yep. We have got another guest today. We have got um, children's author Jenny Gway, the author of The Howie Blend, not The Howie Blend, that's not the name of the book, the book's just called Howie Blend. Um, yeah, we're gonna, she's waiting in the waiting room, um, should we let her in? Jenny Gay, the author of Howie Blend, joins us on this week's episode of Women Who Rebrand. Hello! Hi! How are you? We're good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me. How are me. you? Yes, welcome. Welcome to Women Who Rebrand. Yes. We were just saying how you are an amazing children's author, just published yeah. um, The Howie Blend, but I explained it's not called The Howie Blend, it's called Howie, Howie Blend. Would you like to um, introduce yourself to our audience? Um, so my name is Jenny Gay. I am the creator and author of Howie Blend, Playdate Adventures with Family and Friends. Um, as you can tell, I'm Canadian. Um, uh, but I live in the UK. Um, I I was living in London and now I moved up to Cheshire to be closer to, um, my stepkids and my wife. And, um, that's kind of where the inspiration came, um, to write the series. Amazing. Let the fact that you're Canadian go without saying oat and a boat. (laughs) I I just have to do that. I'm sorry. sorry. Do you want me to say that? Oat and a boat? Yes, please. (laughs) Uh, but I think you've been here for too long, Jenny. It's not as oot and a booty as as I would like it to be. So, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I'm, I have heard. I'm going to have to apologise. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to have to apologise to my friend D. She doesn't get out much. No. <laughs> Making um, what's it called? Terence and Philip references um, in this day and age. <laughs> anyway. anyway. How we blend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, 
in terms of your um, journey, you are a woman who has rebranded. You didn't start your career being an author, I believe. No. So could you tell us what you were doing before and what made you get into the world of publishing? Of course. So um, my background is financial services, so um, specifically investor relations. um, And I was doing that in Canada for publicly listed companies. Um, I moved over to London, UK, and then I was still in investor relations, but in a slightly different capacity. So very much in the financial services sector in London. Um, And then um, I met my now lovely wife and she has two gorgeous children um, and um, there's 50-50 custody. So we just kind of had to make a decision um, instead of me going back and forth between the city of London and up north to Cheshire. Um, you know, what kind of life we wanted to have. Um, so I made the really hard, but um, the best decision for the family, which was to leave my job in the city and um, move up north to support the family and the children. Um, and that's kind of where, I guess, the beginning of where Howie Blend um, came from. So it was actually, I was looking for a present, a birthday present for them. And for me, like the whole gay thing, I think, you know, I didn't even cross my mind that, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to find things um, for my family. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It just never really crossed my mind um, until I had a family and children. And then I was like, oh, okay, Um, everything's completely heteronormative. Um, But more than that, it's obviously predominantly white and it's predominantly um, what's the word? Um, Nuclear. So even even if you were going to target, you know, like heteronormative people, 50% of the population's in a divorce situation or almost 50%. And there's literally no representation Mm -hmm. of those blended families or diverse families anywhere on mainstream um, or high street bookshelves, which I think is shocking. Um, So it was something I never thought about until I had to think about it. And then, um, so that's kind of where the inspiration started from. Cause I was like, I don't want my kids living in a world where they can't see themselves. Um, you know, and I know that there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, I'm not kind of blind to my own privilege. Um, but I, obviously there's a whole, there's whole demographics out there who as children never saw themselves. And then, then, I, then I started thinking, you know, what are the long, long-term ramifications of that? Um, psychologically, developmentally, like, you know, there's a whole slew of things that can um, kind of stem from not seeing yourself in your school books, in your home reading, on the television, on your iPad, on wherever. So that's kind of shocked me into a reality I didn't really have to think about before. Um, and that's when I decided to write How We Blend. And at first it was just going to be for my kids, but then I'm like, no, let's make this a thing because. There's obviously millions of families out there who are exactly like ours um, or a version of ours, and uh, they're going to need this too. We all want healthy children and we all, Mm -hmm. you know, um, mental health and everything is obviously a huge hot topic, which I'm not an expert in, um, but I'm not blind to it. And I want to, you know, help contribute to positively impacting our kids to make better adults. And that's kind of where it's Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like you're trying to change the world in one book, in one <laughs> go, and just <laughs> normalize everything, which is amazing. It's funny that you say that, though. It is true. It's like 
the norm they're trying to push a narrative that that's the norm it's like yeah straight couples and everyone's married and like you said the nuclear family but there's so many people with blended families straight gay and it's increasing so many and And i think no yeah yeah and it's definitely important right right it's um it's funny because I was thinking about what you've done and thinking about where I see that representation across media. And the only um, example I could think of was recently there's been like lots of TV adverts where you've had, a, uh, I'd say, blended families represented. But it's very obvious because there'll be one white parent and one black parent. And normally it is like nuclear, like heteronormative um, yeah. parents with one girl and one boy or whatever but um you can see it that it's very very visual because you can see that there's a black parent with a black child and a white parent with a white child and they've come together and these two are now step siblings um but if you don't have that color distinction then how are you ever to know that that is a blended family that they they have come from two different families and and two different upbringings potentially and been brought together and and so you're you're so right it's it's must be another challenge for you to represent that when it is it's an there's no obvious way of doing it yeah Yeah. but i mean this is life right life is not all one color life is not all one way and for some reason this is like you said the narrative that we're pushing onto our kids it's like how confusing is that when you're not reading your reality when you're not watching your reality you know our children Mm -hmm. aren't going to school with you know all one color they're not going to school with all one type of family they're exposed to everything Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and that that difference is something that we do need to address and we do need to talk about um and stop brushing Mm -hmm. it under the carpet because people are uncomfortable comfortable about it like i talk to my kids about everything you know Mm -hmm. My son the other day was saying like, oh, um, I'll just use a different name. But, you know, why does Michael's skin darker than his brother's skin? Now, it's simply because Mm -hmm. um, his parents are two different races and that's just the way they each came out. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But I had to find a way to explain that to him. But I was just like, yes, ask me those questions because, you know, he has eyes. He can see. And, yeah. You know, by not yeah. giving them the honest answer and being like, oh, we don't talk about we don't talk about race. We don't talk about yeah. sexual orientation or why that child's in a wheelchair. Don't talk about that. That's un- that's yeah. rude. It's uncomfortable. No. Like that's mm. what we're doing is we're we're making the silence acceptable. And that's not that's not something I want for my children. And and I'm hoping with the book I can start facilitating those kinds of hard conversations between parents and their kids. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's so important in terms of um, reading because obviously when you're little, you're um, reading with parents. You're finding out what those words mean, and then if you see something that you haven't seen before in a book, then it's a chance to have that conversation. And I think for me, because I live in quite a, mm, I live outside of London, but it's very different to London. So there, it's not as diverse. It's not as rich in culture. So there's people that live in these type of areas that maybe don't see anything and would never see anything unless they left their area. So it's definitely important to see it on TV, see it in the media, see it in books, just because 
it's normal to see differences and I'm it's so important to get people to recognize that young and old that Mm. the norm isn't what you're forced to see it's just so many different things Mm. and it's so exciting as well different Mm. forms as well like obviously we're talking about appearance but there's you know a multitude of ways that we're all different yeah but um, I'm going into one of my kids' schools next week to talk about difference and diversity. And one of the kind of messages that I'm, I'm oh. trying to bring home to them is that the only the only sameness we have is our differences. If there's one thing mm, that we can yes. be sure of, it's that none of us are the same. We're all different. And that makes us the same. That's what connects us. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yes. Um, and yes. it's not something we should be fearful of and it's not something we should shy away from talking about. I think I hate using the word celebrate, but we, <laughs> we, we, you know, we all have eyes and ears and we all have different ways of living and we all have different ways of, um, you know, obviously we all look different ways. And, and, and those are the things that um, we focus on the things that separate us when it's the things that connect us, like mm-hmm. our thoughts, our feelings, our goals, our desires. And that's the stuff that we need to talk about. Mm, amazing okay. so you chose to talk about that by pulling together this book and um i guess it would be interesting to understand what the process was for you to publish get your book published or or, or i don't know how you published it um because your background is financial services it's like so far removed well, from yeah. writing a book about oh, yeah. how we blend. <laughs> yeah. so how did you do that so it was a hugely discouraging, long, arduous process that resulted in nothing. So I spent a year shopping the book out, trying to get an agent, trying to get a publisher, um, really trying to sell um, the concept of the book, the requirement for the book, you know, all of the different, you know, I spent my career um, pitching stories and ideas about really boring things like gold mining and stuff like that. But... (laughs) I was applying the same kind of, um, you know, logic to creating um, kind of like a pitch doc and and submitting to these agents and um, publishers and to no avail and lots of responses, which were, you know, I really like it, but it's not something the firm is interested in. It's not a topic. And I'm like, how how could you not mm-hmm. be interested in this? Mm-hmm. Like. There is a huge hole in an ever-expanding niche market, which is not so niche because it's pretty mainstream, um, that you're not filling. Nobody's filling it. So, you know, if nothing else, obviously publishers and agents, all they think about is how much money they can make and how much reach they can get and, you know, distribution and all of this this kind of stuff. I was like, okay, well, let me put the numbers in for you. Let Let me calculate this out for you to show you, you know, what you would be missing out on because this is an untapped market um, and nobody would take it. So finally, um, I, I'm trying not to curse, by the way. <laughs> I, I curse quite a bit. So if, if That's I, okay. If I to find my words, it's because I usually fill them with curse words. Um, so <laughs> Just go ahead. I can blank it out afterwards. I can edit that out. It's fine. <laughs> the Canadian in me. Um, so my partner is just like, you know, the most amazing partner. So supportive. Um, she, for Christmas, a couple a year or so ago, got me, um, paid for me to self publish, um, which, you know, mm. again, I am not blind to my privilege. It costs 
a lot of money to self-publish. Hmm. Um, and it's a very daunting, you know, experience and task, but I learned a lot about the process and what people are interested in and distribution and all of that kind of stuff. So that was my journey to self-publishing. Um, and I have two more books in the series that I want to, um, have published, but I'm now going back to market and trying to find um, a publisher and an agent um, to help me do that. Because, you know, for me, the book is not just about how we blend blend the book. There's obviously the two subsequent books that I want to build the characters out. I want to talk about different religions and the way different people spend different holidays, like different holidays and celebrate different things and and really kind of build the characters out. But then I feel like it's Mm -hmm. just it's more of a brand. So I see this as a children's television series. I want to create an educational app um, that I can distribute into schools. I want to do um, merchandise and with, you know, these friends who come from all of these amazing different backgrounds together. Like there's, I just have the whole kind of brand vision for it that I would love to see my kids playing with that. Amazing. I love all these goals and I really hope that it does work out because it's something, hey, you're saying how publishers don't think it's something that we would, I I want this. I I want to buy this. I want to buy the merch. I want to see the app. I want my kids to be involved and know these characters. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. Like, do you think, do you think you get pushback from like agents and publishers because they're kind of a bit scared I was just gonna say the backlash as in backlash from those people with the loudest pitch the voices with the pitchforks who just obviously think we're trying to I don't think you're trying to share some I don't think it's that deep I think crazy agenda because that's something at least I could (laughs) maybe understand I think it's as simple as they don't know how to tackle they don't know how to sell it you know, they don't know right. because because there's so little out there that, um, you know, you can find obviously like um, a book about my two mummies and those two mummy, mummies will probably mm-hmm. be white. But if you wanted to find like an mm-hmm. Asian version of that, I'm sure you could, but you really got to dig. You got to dig. You got to go onto Amazon. You got to find it. You can't just walk into, you know, WH Smith or Barnes and Noble and like it's going to be sitting, you know, in the in the window. That's not the way it works. Yeah. Um, let's make it the way it mm. works because this is our norm. And so mm. that's why when I did the book, I included um, there's six different children that come from a variety of different families um, and backgrounds. So there's kind of something that should represent mm. or, you know, emulate at least part of everybody's family or somebody that, you know. So there's something that touches everybody's home, mm. um, which I think is mainstream and very relatable. Um and that's kind of the difference between how we blend and other um, LGBTQ plus family uh, books. Yeah. And actually, like, it's not even an LGBTQ plus family book. It's it's just it's an everybody book because there's there is blended family. Couple yeah. There's a hetero family that mm-hmm. are divorced with step siblings and parents. There's um, a lesbian family, there's a bisexual family, there's um, a gay family with two dads, there's adoptive families, there's grandparents who um, had to adopt their child, mm. who's in a wheel, uh, their ch- 
their daughter's child who's in a wheelchair. So there's abilities in there as well. So there's just literally something that everybody can relate to within one book. And so that's why for me, it's yeah. a mainstream book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And even as you're explaining the characters in the book, it's just like, yep, I know a couple like that. Yep, grandparents. Yep. Everyone knows someone. Know someone. And it's just. <sighs> yeah. Wow. I love that. So you've kind of um, answered the question a bit, but maybe you've got some more um, um, bits to add. Um, were there any other obstacles that you came across? Um, when trying to publish the book like what were your friends saying about you publishing a book like your work colleagues and stuff did you did you talk to them about it were so, they like yeah go on or like I think you're a bit mad doing that so I'm <laughs> so I'm the type of person who doesn't talk about something until it's done so I didn't okay. really tell anybody Keep it under your hat yeah because I was like what okay. if it doesn't okay. happen and then I'm looking a bit you know pie in the face so Um, I didn't really tell anybody about it except um, a couple of friends just to get their feedback on it. Um, Yeah. So I didn't in that regard. No. Um, But, you know, afterwards, there's always going to be haters. Like, you know, you're always going to get people who are bigots and, you know, just Mm -hmm. terrible people. And there's not really much you can do about that. Right. So you just got to you just got to keep mm. pushing forward, you know, um, through the obstacles of people's opinions because their opinions about me don't matter. And, you know, if you don't want it for your kid, that's fine. Look away. But um, other than that, you know, I, I, I just kind of push through the obstacles in that regard. I think the main thing for me is just and con- was and continues to be um, is getting that additional um, support of a, of a proper publisher an agent to really mainstream it because there's only so much yeah. you can do as um, a self-publisher. Um, it's, mm, it's, it's a grind. And is this your full time or are you doing other stuff as well as how we blend? So um, I was doing some consultancy stuff. I do help my partner a little bit. She's got a few businesses, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like I'm really trying to throw everything into how we blend and I'm, I'm doing a lot more, um, you know, school engagements. So I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. um, there's a new government guidelines in the UK where, um, schools are now mandated to, um, include relationships, um, difference, diversity, things of that nature into the curriculum, um, which is great. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really trying to reach out to a lot of those schools, um, and, you know, do some readings and and do presentations like I'm doing next week to talk to the kids um, in a really, you know, child-friendly, palatable way about difference in diversity and all of that um, fun stuff. And when I, when I went into the school, I went into another school a couple of weeks or a couple months ago and the kids were so receptive. It was really, um, it was really refreshing because I think we don't give kids enough credit. I mean, as I said, like kids see everything. They hear everything, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for some reason in schools, um, they spend most of their day in the school. And and a lot of, I think, schools don't understand their family dynamics that they're in. Um, I know there was a couple of kids mm-hmm. that talked about the fact that they were adopted, which I think shocked a couple of the their peers. And it's like, how have you not talked about that before? Like, that's a huge part of who you are. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so it was just, it really filled my heart up to see their little faces light up, to be able to have a forum that they felt safe in to talk about their families and how they were different. And, and, and I think within talking about how all of their families were different, they felt completely connected because it just came back to the fact that they all felt loved and they all felt safe and, you know, and that's what it comes down to. So that's the kind of stuff that I want to do more of. Um, because I think it really validates children um, to be able to talk about their familial dynamics. Um, and it, it mm-hmm. yeah, it validates their experience. Gosh, I, I am, um, I'm thinking about you going into schools and thinking about my own kids who are in a, a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering about, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> So obviously you are aware of many of the teachings mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking, have you come up against, like following on from Sarita's question around obstacles, like you are trying to educate kids and their families about yeah. this and make them feel that it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. Um, have you come up against any opposition in terms of that? For sure, because I think every parent talks to their children in a, in a different level of openness. So for us, um, with our children, you know, we talk about the fact that they were made with the help of a donor and we explained, you know, then of course their next question is, well, what's a donor? And then you explain what it, okay. A donor of what? Yeah. And then you have to explain it was sperm, <laughs> you know, and, I, and also, I mean, you go down the rabbit hole with kids, right? Cause then there's like, but then what about this? But yeah. then what about that? And I, and I, and I think it's healthy and it's beautiful and I encourage it. Um, and for us, we use, I think it's really important for their own, um, even for their safety to talk about their anatomy using the correct terminology, you know, vagina, penis, sperm, yeah. eggs, yeah. menstrual cycles, yeah. things like that. Cause that's, that's how they empower themselves that, you know, when you're anyways, I won't get into that detail because <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, but, um, <laughs> So when I went into the school, um, you know, I was prepped by saying, you know, we because I was speaking to um, a range of different ages and different, you know, years that I was going into the classroom. Some of them haven't done sex education. So, you know, it was like, well, just make sure that you don't talk about um, obviously body parts and you don't talk about obviously Mm -hmm. sex. Um, You don't talk about Mm -hmm. like sperm egg, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, all right. And in my head, I'm like, oh my God, what if they start asking the same questions my kids were asking? (laughs) (laughs) And I can't say sperm. (laughs) 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 So, um, I, you know, I did have a couple of questions, which, you know, well, um, I know that, you know, one of the girls was like, I know that, um, you know, babies are made because of a man and a woman. And I, and she, you know, she was, she was actually quite um, articulate in her statement and her question. And she was like, um, so if I know that two women can get married um, and they can have children, but then, you know, how would they have the children if they do, if there's not a, a boy involved? And mm-hmm. so I had to explain, mm-hmm. like, that's a really great question. And in my head, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, <laughs> And I'm like looking at the teacher and she's giving me the eyes and I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, well, um, (laughs) 
And I just explained that when there's, you know, two women, two men, and also a man and a woman, you know, with two men and two Mm -hmm. women, they can't make a baby with each other. But there are special doctors that you can go to that will help you make those children and to create your family. And I said, the same is said, some, some Mm -hmm. men and women can't have children together either. So it's not just to women and to, Mm -hmm. it happens to all, everybody. And sometimes they need the help of that special doctor as well. So she was like, ah, okay. And the teacher was like, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So that, yeah. Saved. So there's, you know, yeah. Ah. Howie Blend. Playdate adventures with family and friends. The first of the Howie Blend series that aims to boost diversity in children's reading. Jenny quit her high-flying six-figure financial services career in the city to move to the country to be with her wife and her two lovely stepchildren. However, when she realised that she was struggling to find books and toys for her stepchildren that reflect the realities of their blended family, she was determined to take things into her own hands and to set off to encourage not just children, but also parents to embrace differences and diversity. You're going through the IVF process to, to extend yeah. your family. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, in terms of books and programs and stuff, even heterosexual couples, they don't talk about women who possibly can't have children and again that's very normal Mm -hmm. literally and it's just oh yeah no it doesn't exist but if more yeah but if it was normalized if more people would know about all these different things i don't Mm -hmm. think there'd be that stigma or that shame yeah or even if a child was created and born through those kind of um things there wouldn't be that thing of well i'm a bit different because uh, my parents had to do this and just i've normalized the normal exactly (laughs) i mean you hit the nail on the head with the shame and and the stigma like i've cannot tell you how many moms i've talked to um who literally i'm not even lying we're like having coffee talking and I'm talking about my IVF and whispering, I had IVF too. And they're heter and they're heterosexual. And they're <sighs> like, Why are we whispering? Like, <laughs> I was just, literally, and then, it's not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. And they were like, well, my, my children don't know that they were all made, you know, with the help of IVF. And I said, well, first of all, you know, they don't really need to know that right now. Like, who cares? Like they were just, no. made like, it's not something that's dirty, you know? And, you know, second of all, like, why, why are you, why do you feel shame around the fact that either you or your husband needed some assistance to build your beautiful family? Like, uh, why are exactly. we not talking about this? You know, and why, when we talk about it, are we and as you said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as you said, the, the word celebrate, it's like, th- celebrate the miracle. Because Listen, years ago, this would have never happened. And everyone would be walking around miserable because, you know. Yeah. Science is incredible. Science rules. Yeah. It really is. It really yeah. is. And I just think, like, the whole reason why people, like, we're making a conscious choice to have a family. There's no accidents in this regard when you're going through this process. 
Like this is made yep. because two yep. people it, who love each on other purpose. Yeah. Two people right. who love each other want to build right. a family together. And that I think, especially in this day and age, is something to be celebrated and something that is more beautiful than anything else. Because that decision it's it's mm. not to be taken lightly. It's an it it can be a very um, arduous and painful process emotionally, physically, and you're going through all of that and you're putting your bodies and your minds and your hearts through all of that so you can have these incredible children at the end of it. Like how how amazing is that? Why are we whispering exactly? About that? And yeah, that's the thing. It's like the whole process. It's not just the yeah, I'm just gonna have a baby now, and it's just tick. That was easy. I've just got a baby now. Mm-hmm. It's just done. It's just done. Yeah, celebrate! celebrate it's it. a miracle. It is. Ah, uh, yeah. So you're going through the IVF process, and as you said, it's not something you take lightly, and it's something that you have to. And I've had friends who've done it as well, and I know the daily. Um, processes that are involved in in all of that and Mm. and um it can be quite emotionally taxing physically taxing all of those things but Mm -hmm. there might be some people listening to this now who are like okay well i kind of think i'm in the situation where i might want to go down the ivf route but i just don't know enough about it i don't know if i can access it i don't i I just don't know so is there anything that you can share about what you've done or or your journey that might help someone else who's kind of thinking about it, but just doesn't know what to do next. Of course. So, um, for my situation, um, you know, I, I might have maybe a little bit more information only because my partner went through this with her ex, um, years and years ago to create my stepchildren. So, um, there's already that basis, that foundation of understanding, which for me, you know, was, you know, I was, thrilled and lucky to have that because I think when you're walking blind, it can be scary. You don't want to misstep. You don't want to choose the wrong clinic. You don't want to um, make any mistakes because you're bringing a life into this world and you want to do it the right way. Right. So I think Mm. for me, um, we've, and this might be controversial to some people, uh, but for us, we wanted to gender select and um, the only country you can do that in is, the U.S., um, and which is where uh, my two stepchildren were created as well. Um, so I did do some research into the U.K. clinics, um, but I just I don't like the laws um, around this in the U.K. in terms of um, um, what's the word? There's no anonymity with the donors. So you oh, 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 I and see. So thing, they could decide at any point that they want a relationship with their child and come which, back in biological life. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm oh. doing my things that I'm doing speech yeah. around my, my child. So for, <laughs> for us, um, it's genetic material. It's like giving blood yep. to somebody doesn't make you family. Um, and so I feel the same way about sperm. So, um, for us, it's, um, genetic material and I would never want my child to think there was some amazing dad out there that, you know, they can have a great relationship with, and it's going to be, you know, 
this missing piece to their, you know, puzzle. Like they, it's just not something I wanted to get into. It's not something I wanted to invite into our life. And it's not how I view the science behind it. Um, and also like mm-hmm. the beauty of our family. So it's genetic material, mm-hmm. you know, much like you would need blood in a blood transfusion. I need this person's sperm. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I wanted the laws and the regulations around that, which I can get in the U S um, and, okay. you know, obviously um, to be able to genetically um, to choose the gender of our, our child as well. And I know that's controversial and that's probably, you know, um, a topic for another day, but for me, it's about choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my choice. Okay. Um, yeah. So the other thing I would say is to just be honest, you- I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you could choose, would you? Yeah, because I've looked into, um, controversially. Yes. 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 So <laughs> as a mum of three boys, mm-hmm. C's got two girls. Um, I think I would like to have female presence in my house um so yeah i think i would choose and i think there's just different dynamics there it's yeah i don't know again it's another podcast discussion but yeah me personally i probably would choose but i know it's controversial because there's certain religions there's certain um people that are very much like boys son um and there are places in the UK that don't allow you to find out the sex of the child because a lot more girls in certain areas are, um, their, their pregnancies are terminated because they're female. So that humans just ruin it for everyone. You know, listen, I respect, you know, other people's choices around this stuff. And so I just, I just think that I should have Mm. the same kind of respect around my choices around it. And that, you know, and, and definitely something else that I think people, which I don't, I think everybody should do because it's available. The science is there um, when you're going through um, the IVF process. So when you choose your um, sperm, sperm donor or egg donor, if you're um, men, you you have it tested for recessive genes to ensure that the carrier. So for me, it would be myself um, doesn't have the same recessive genes to obviously limit the chance of something um, illnesses, diseases, things like that within the child. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I just think like, let's, we should all be exploring all of this science. I think it's absolutely magical. Um, and I don't think that you should just be doing it because you need a donor. I, I, yeah, if I was hetero and I was dating a man, I'd be like, let's go get genetically tested to see if we're compatible <laughs> to make children. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible yeah. what 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 we can do now. Why are why are, why is not everybody <laughs> utilizing this? It's so true. It's so true, and and so controversial. So because controversial. I, I I can tell I, you, no, so controversial. <laughs> and listen, I get it. I know, and I'm not. You know, there's no right or wrong, or um, you know, I'm definitely not arrogant enough to ever think that there's a right way and a wrong way to bring children into this world. But I know there are people that are arrogant enough to think that there is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I just yeah. say, like, let's all just put, you know, all of the various ways we can do it on the table. Let's talk about it and let's just share information mm-hmm. because it is about information sharing. How are you supposed to make informed decisions if you don't have the information? Mm. 100%. That's so true. 
Um, I'm, I keep going back to things that I've seen on telly and, and whatnot, but I, I'm hearing your your tale and I'm thinking of Master of None. Have you watched that, the Aziz Ansari show? No. If you haven't, look it up. So season three, I think it is, um, and it's got a lesbian couple in. Yeah, do write it down. There's been a couple who decide that they want to have, actually one of them wants to, the other one doesn't. Um, and then the one, they, they eventually split up and then the one who does goes and has IVF and it's based in America. So there's all that, that legislation that protects. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I won't spoil it for you, but just, yeah, go and watch it. Anyone who's listening, if you haven't Sounds seen it, Master of None, That's it's true. on Netflix, have a watch. Like, I'm writing that down too. Yeah, it's so, like, it really opened my eyes, really opened my eyes to the whole IVF process and having it in a same-sex relationship as well. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. recommend. Yeah, thank you for that recommendation. So, are you actually, so, mm. are you going to America to get this done? So, yeah. So Did I you will, say? It, yeah, I'll be doing, you know, all of the kind of injections and everything in um, America um, I think it's probably going to take about a month, I think. Um, and then okay. I'm not, so we're making the decision um, just timing wise, not to impregnate at the same time. So I will freeze the embryos okay. and then go back um, when we're ready to impregnate, but it will be sometime this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I thought you and your partner were both thinking about, becoming pregnant but you, you were going to stagger your pregnancies that's what crossed my mind when you said you'd made a decision not to do it at the same time I thought oh my gosh were you actually thinking of both being pregnant, <laughs> going through that together at the same time fun. <laughs> we did we did have that discussion actually um so she's yeah she's I think it'd be cute actually, so so what you can do is I you know I could actually carry her embryos so we could have done IVF at the same time, oh. the embryos created with the same donor sperm and then froze them and then either implant at the same time or, or staggered. But um, she's slightly older than I am. And um, it just, you know, it, um, we just decided not to do it that way. But that's for you. Totally an option. Yeah. See, I think C's <laughs> just thinking of the horrendous amount of like hormones oh, flying around in the one space. Who's going to look after me if my wife <laughs> is pregnant at the same time? Like, I want to be weighted on hand and foot. Like, I ain't got no time to be looking after right? anyone else. So that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> oh, I love it. See, and I'm just thinking pure Disney, like, so cute. You can rub each other's feet and stuff and then rub each other's bellies. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh so in terms of um going to america um doing that did you so you're not gonna you're gonna do the first part first yes and then you're gonna have a break and come back or are you just gonna um how does that work you freeze your you freeze embryos them. yeah where is it where are they frozen can you bring them back with you are they there so now, I could be totally wrong on this, but I had a friend who is in a hetero relationship and they could not conceive yep. without the help of IVF. Um, and so they froze mm-hmm. theirs, but it was in a different country. And she was talking about, you know, mm-hmm. if so they have two great kids already. And she's like, you know, I would do it again, but I'm not sure. My husband, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I was like, well, can you just ship them? 
over here? Like, can you fly them <laughs> over here? How does that work? Um, and she said, now, <laughs> listeners at home, I could be, this could be misinformation. I don't know. But when she told me, I almost spit my drink out. <laughs> she said, you have to get a passport for each of the embryos. No, no, no. She's, she's wanting you. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm now going to, cause I just remembered that conversation. I'm going to have to Google it now, but that's what, that's mm, what we're going to have to Google it. Let us and know. If- we'll put it, we'll, we'll post this and you can put it in the comments. Like to be continued. <laughs> we found out that actually, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Which I wow. yeah, there's so many things I don't know. I this, wanna know it all. Saying, let's information share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Totally. It's so exciting though. It's so exciting. I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you. It's just yeah. such a magical thing. And just like you were saying how um you could carry someone else's embryos and it's kind of like you're both intertwined in this whole magical miracle you're both bringing something together it's so amazing and i just don't think why would anyone just be against it just bore off live your life with their bodies like come on exactly yeah alone yeah literally okay so um Exactly. 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 And like you said, it's just like, it's not accidental. No. We did it on purpose. Therefore, what is the problem? It's expensive. It's taxing on your body, your emotions, your, psycho- your psychological state. It, it's, it's a hard thing to put yourself through. So, you know, we don't take it lightly. Like it's, yeah, it's a big deal. Hmm. So if any, oh, sorry, go say, go say, go say, go say. So I, I just, I know this is breaking convention. <laughs> Usually we do this section after we've speak, spoken to the guests, but I just think I, I really want to get your perspective on this. So Sarita, can we bring forward what in the world? Can we do that? Um, yep. Yeah. We'll run it how you want to run it. See, let's go. It's your podcast too. <laughs> so... Doing a little bit of research before you came on and stumbled across um, a news story around a lesbian couple mm-hmm. who are in their mid to late 20s and they are looking in the UK, they're looking to have um, a baby. I think one of them has polycystic ovaries, right. something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the issue is with the other lady, but they want IVF. And uh, apparently for lesbian couples or gay couples, it's a lot more difficult to get IVF here because you need to prove infertility and that can be a really expensive process. So once you've paid all the money to do that, then you can start to talk about NHS funded IVF. But for a straight couple, you just need to not be able to conceive for two years and it's a lot more simple to access IVF. So that doesn't surprise me. I, listening to that, was like, what? This is bananas. Mm-hmm. So I just wondered, and maybe it's something that you haven't encountered because you're going to the States anyway to do yours, but just wanted to get your view or if there was anything that you'd heard or experienced around that. So again, not blind to my privilege, we are doing it privately. 
So that has no bearing mm-hmm. if uh, you're doing it privately. Uh, um, but that does uh, not surprise mm-hmm. me um, about mm-hmm. the NHS, especially in the UK. I think there's a lot of antiquated mm-hmm. laws and um, regulations that um, need to be completely abolished and rethought. Um, and it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. And and um, I think we're better than that. So let's do yeah. better. Yeah. And it's mad because it's like, okay, well, it's like they're trying to catch you out on a technicality. Almost. Yeah. This is like, so you need to make sure that you can't conceive. But I'm in a relationship. We can't conceive because we can't. So give us our baby, basically. Like, why do you have to go through the whole... Well, you're, you're, it's again, it's like the, the age old <laughs> issue of politicizing the body, you know? It, yes. It's, um, yes. It's just wrong. And it's, um, it's none of your damn business mm. as a government, like stay out of literally my business as a family and as my, a bedroom and all of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's quite invasive, isn't it? Like everything, all the details that they ask you to explain and going into your relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And certain people, uh, basically your, your destiny is in each person's hands. And I'm guessing it's just, like you said, an emotional process, which I'm sure can be made much easier. Like you said, there's like... I can't believe that you have to prove. How do you prove? Oh, I guess tests. Yeah, I mean, yeah, tests. I've not so. that, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I think mm. it was like twenty-five grand they would potentially have to invest in in the tests that that, that were required to prove infertility before or, they can then start doing all the IVF stuff. Is it because I think I've also heard that um, you have to do I IUI. And you have yeah, to be unsuccessful. Yeah. You have to be unsuccessful with IUI um, yeah. before you can. Yeah. Um, What's IUI for listeners and me? So IUI is the yeah. um, like kind of um, <laughs> find my words. The it's a more direct. So you're basically putting the sperm directly in to your uterus, your vagina, oh. without taking your eggs out and creating embryos and all of that and implanting an embryo. So it's like, and I hate using this term, but it's the more like natural way, I guess you could say of Mm -hmm. conceiving, Mm -hmm. which has Mm -hmm. a very low success rate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you're having fertility issues. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But again, like uh, there's just, there's Uh, just so many antiquated laws and, you know, prejudice is completely institutionalized and, you know, this is why we're, we're trying to kind of avoid all of that. We're going private because we can, and we're doing it after research into a country that has the mm -hmm. laws around it that um, works with our belief system. So and it's unfortunate that Which that I find incredible in the UK. Pardon? I know. And imagine America um, being so progressive in that, Which that is particular bananas. area. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Countries yeah. in the world like America. I know. 
Who knew? Has it been going on longer, do you think? Is that why they're a bit more progressive? Or there's just more people to shout about it. We're on a tiny little island, remember? You're on a tiny little island. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just, I'm going to utilize Another it. Another thing to Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get anything you can. If you've got it, just get it. I don't blame you. No. I don't blame you. Ah, oh, okay. So um, we're nearly coming to it. Was there something else you wanted to ask C before I butted in? No. Rudely. No, no you're good. No. Ah, oh, okay. Well, coming to an end. So thank you so much, Jenny, for um, joining us. Thank Again, you, guys. We do this every time we have a guest on. Like, there's so many other things we want to discuss. I'm just like, we feel like we've run out of time. We could and do a part two another time. For another <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah. Yes, we should do that. Like a follow-up. Yes! Next year. All right, all right. You're putting ideas into my head. Just say um, But for our lovely audience, <laughs> for our lovely audience, can you tell them where to buy your book? Because I'm sure so many people are like, yes, I'm going to get that now. Yeah. So globally, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, you can buy it at WH Smith, um, at Waterstones Online, um, all of this online, nothing in the bookstores. This is what I'm working towards. Um, Barnes and Noble, um, Walmart, um, all of this online. And then I also have uh, Howie Blend. Oh, Instagram fantastic. Page. It's just at Howie Blend. Fantastic. Mm. We'll be sure to follow that. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, for Jenny. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, and muchas love to your blended family and your you. wife. Yeah. Thank you so we much. We send our sincerest everything. regards. And lots yes. of love to your okay. families. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Women Who Rebrand was brought to you by Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalea. If you like what you've heard and you want to hear us again, don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you usually catch your podcasts. We're available on all streaming platforms, including Google Podcasts, Spotify and Breaker.